0: That was Governor Brad Little's State of the State Address kicking off the 2021 legislative session. Joining me today is Kevin Richard of Idaho Education News and Alex Adams, Chief of the Division of Financial Management. Uh, Alex, I wanted to start with you. Can you just give us the high-level highlights of the budget we just heard?
1: Sure, Melissa. What I heard from uh, Governor Little was a message of optimism, a message that Idaho as the chance to emerge from the pandemic even stronger and uh, more resilient uh, than before because of the leadership of governor little and others idaho is leading the nation in economic recovery we're sitting on the largest budget surplus in the history of the state of idaho Uh, many of that uh, much of that uh, recovery seemed unimaginable uh, just months ago Uh, but because of the economic situation that we're in uh, the governor uh, talked about his plan that he called building idaho's future and two uh, key parts to it. Uh, First part was record tax relief, uh, 455 million uh, to tax relief to put money back in the pockets of uh, Idahoans and small businesses. Uh, That would be one of the largest single tax cuts in the history of the state of Idaho. Uh, The second part of the Building Idaho's Future Plan uh, was a strategic investment package of uh, 330 million Uh, that would go to water, roads, bridges, Uh, Broadband infrastructure. So, just as one example, the governor set aside $35 million in this budget uh, to really focus on those rural and underserved areas uh, that don't have great uh, broadband connectivity to make uh, investments in the state of Idaho. Uh, So, uh, overall, it's a conservative budget, one that reinvests uh, the surplus that we've been able to accumulate this year in both tax relief for Idahoans as well as make uh, strategic investments that will have long-lasting impact for all Idaho citizens.
0: Before we get into some of the budget specifics, I wanted to touch on the fact that he started the speech with a condemnation of violence and extremism. As we start the 2021 session, um, not even a week after the siege on the U.S. Capitol, and months after we saw that kind of um, property damage and violent protests, frankly, in Idaho during the special session. Alex, is the governor concerned about security at the Capitol this year?
1: So the governor's worked uh, very closely with legislative leadership on uh, having a plan, and uh, one of the things that we did is uh, we invested uh, some of the federal coronavirus relief dollars in enhanced security for the session. Uh, so you're going to see an increased uh, police presence to keep uh, to keep folks safe. The state also made $1.4 million available to upgrade the technology throughout the Capitol and uh, help facilitate uh, remote testimony. I know the governor's encouraged uh, his agency directors to the extent allowable uh, to do testimony remotely, whether they're presenting rules, executive agency legislation, or even their budgets.
0: Kevin, I wanna bring you into the conversation. Uh, Education, always one of the biggest budget asks every single year, both in general funds and overall spending. What stood out to you about this budget proposal? Well, what stood
2: out is that the governor is trying to, uh, to do some rebuilding in education funding. This budget and this proposal from the governor in general feels like it's built around the idea of moving past the news of the past year, the storyline of the past year, the the response of coronavirus to life after coronavirus or life with coronavirus contained. So he's trying to reinvest in education, including uh, reinvesting and continuing the investment in the career ladder, the the teacher salary plan that's been in, in effect for several years, but also some other reinvestments in education uh, one of the things I, I was struck by, and I'd like to see more details about, is uh, the governor's plan to put $20 million uh, of money into summer reading programs. Now, no secret, the governor has been concerned about literacy. He's been concerned about early reading skills for his entire two years in office. Now that takes on some new, uh, new import because of the complication of education during the pandemic, the, the mix of online learning and hybrid learning and movement away from being able to offer face-to-face learning. So I'll be interested to see the details of that $20 million plan and and how it might get spent.
0: Alex, can you give us some insight into the thinking behind this specific summer program? Is it going to be, uh, assuming that we are going to be back to all widespread in-person learning by that point? What sort of structures are gonna be in place uh, for that $20 million uh, investment?
1: Sure, well, Melissa, um, I think the details will still uh, are still being worked out with the State Board of Education. And when they present presented JFAC here in just a couple of weeks, I think uh, more of the plan will be revealed. But I think where we were starting from was, our teachers have been working under historic circumstances. I know the governor really extends his uh, thanks and gratitude uh, for the work all of our teachers have done uh, to keep their students safe and uh, to keep uh, the learning environment uh, going in historic circumstances. And I think what the the governor was trying to do is ensure that this doesn't become a blip on people's uh, transcripts, that uh, because of the way school was delivered this year, he doesn't want students to be able to, to, he doesn't want students to fall behind. And uh, he wants these uh, resources to be used to help close that uh, gap and ensure that the students in particular are reading at a grade level. Uh, So it's going to be an active partnership between the state uh, board and uh, school districts uh, throughout the state. Uh, One thing I do want to note about uh, the K-12 budget is what was really important to the governor was fully implementing his career ladder. Last year he fought uh, hard at the legislature uh, to build out the career ladder for our most experienced teachers. It amounted to about a quarter of a billion dollar investment in uh, teacher salaries. And because of the way he's been able to manage this bu- budget prudently uh, throughout the year, uh, he's able to get it fully implemented. Yet uh, we might be one of the few states that can say we made record investments in teacher pay in the middle of a global pandemic. But The budget uh, fully restores of 22. The governor built maintenance growth on top of that. So any teacher who would have been in the advanced placement rung uh, will have the ability to jump into uh, that rung. Uh, just a couple of, of the other things on, uh, on uh, education. Uh, the governor did make uh, quite a bit of investments in the higher education. One in particular is investments in nursing education. The governor has set aside a million dollars in his budget uh, to invest in expanding capacity for teaching nurses at both four-year in our Uh, Community colleges. He knows that uh, it's critical uh, for us to be able to have homegrown uh, healthcare uh, professionals, and educating them in Idaho is key to keeping them in Idaho.
0: And I want to get to higher ed in just a second, but Kevin, for those who are new to this discussion, can you give us a rundown of what the career ladder is and why it's been such a fraught subject when we're talking about the budget over the last few years?
2: Well, the career ladder went into effect in the mid, uh, in the middle of the past decade. It goes back to Governor Ritter's time in, in the governor's office, and over the past several years, the idea has been to increase teacher pay. The first phase of this career ladder over the past few years has been focused largely on helping uh, beginning teachers or teachers at the uh, at the starting range uh, of the salary structure, with, with the idea of trying to to attract young teachers into the profession and try to keep them in the profession for a few years rather than seeing them flee to other states now what the governor little is trying to do is build on that first phase of the career ladder and put more money into to veteran teacher pay that's been a concern because those veteran teachers really weren't helped all that much by the career ladder so school districts if they wanted to keep their veteran teachers and these are the teachers that administrators talk about over and over these are the ones with experience they're the mentors they're the leaders within the schools to keep those teachers uh, local school districts have had to try to figure out how to fund teacher pay raises on their own whether that's you know, going to voters for a tax levy or what have you so the the goal has been to try to put more salary increases now into veteran teacher pay Why this is so fraught with with, with complications politically is that it's just very expensive I mean this is a 250 million dollar. Rollout in teacher salaries.
0: Uh, Briefly, I want to touch on education before or higher education before we move on to tax cuts. The higher ed investments, both both for community college and for four year, come during decreased enrollment. Kevin,
2: they they do, and those enrollment numbers uh, dropped not as significantly as. University administrators and college administrators feared, but there was definitely a drop off, and it was a drop off in young students in high school graduates from last year going on to college. You know, we wrote last week about how only 38 percent of the class of 2020, the high school class of 2020, went on to some sort of education, whether that's college or career technical. That was a seven percentage point decrease. That's like 1,400 kids we're talking about, young adults we're talking about. So The governor is trying to put some money back into higher education and i i was struck looking at the budget proposal and hearing about the budget proposal uh, earlier today that a lot of that money will go into trying to backfill some of the spending problems that uh, that higher education has faced over the past few few months in the wake of the pandemic losing money whether it's uh, room and board, Meal plans, you know, money that was refunded back to students when they were forced to go home, uh, losses in athletic programs, Um, you know. The governor is trying to put some one time money back into college and universities coffers to offset some of those losses from from the beginning of this pandemic back in the spring.
0: A topic I'm sure we're going to continue to discuss during the legislative session. Alex, let's talk about tax cuts. Um, money set aside in the governor's proposal for both one time and ongoing tax cuts.
1: That's correct. So, in total, uh, as part of the Building Idaho's future plan, the governor set aside $455 million in uh, tax relief. Of that, $295 million would be one time and $160 million would be ongoing. So, for the one time relief, 115 million of it is uh, to conform with uh, changes that were both part of the CARES Act as well as the COVID Relief Act that was signed in December. Uh, The largest chunk of that is for small business relief, especially those that had net operating losses, uh, perhaps as a result of the pandemic. uh, Restaurants being uh, kind of the classic example there. Uh, 180 million of it is uh, set aside as one-time relief. That would be uh, drawn from the buildup in the tax relief fund. Two years ago, the legislature uh, passed a sales tax on online sales uh, with the revenue generated from that going into a specific fund, the tax relief fund. It's buildup uh, projected to be 180 million. And the governor's built into his budget using that for one-time uh, tax relief. The specific specifics of that uh, we look forward to working with our friends and partners in the legislature uh, on those intricate details. Uh, similarly, the $160 million of ongoing uh, relief, uh, that's, again, would be among the largest tax cuts in the, the, the state's history, and it uh, certainly provides a cushion to look at property tax, income tax, or uh, sales tax uh, relief. Again, the governor looks forward to working with the legislature on the details of those. He sees that uh, tax relief, the ongoing tax relief uh, portion as a package uh, with his uh, transportation plan, which I hope we get a chance to talk about today.
0: IN THAT 160 MILLION IN PERMANENT TAX CUTS uh, IS GROCERY TAX AMONG THE SERIOUS CONTENDERS FOR THAT POT OF MONEY.
1: YOU KNOW, I THINK ANYONE, uh, MELISSA, THAT'S FOLLOWED THIS uh, LEGISLATURE IN RECENT YEARS KNOWS THAT THERE'S A, a STRONG APPETITE, PERHAPS PUN INTENDED, uh, TO LOOK AT GROCERY uh, TAX uh, RELIEF. BUT, uh, YOU KNOW, it, you know, OVER over THE OFF SEASON, THERE'S QUITE A BIT OF DISCUSSION ON uh, PROPERTY TAX PROPOSALS and. Uh, income tax uh, relief is, is always uh, rated highly. You know, as the governor said, his, his intent with tax relief is to put the money back into the pockets of hard-working Idahoans, uh, but also to ensure uh, the competitiveness of our uh, business uh, uh, environment and ensure that uh, Idaho continues to be a competitive state relative to surrounding states. But, but Alex, strong. I wanted
0: to ask you about Medicaid expansion, um, those expenses, uh, voters approved Medicaid expansion Proposition 2 in 2018 have exceeded what the Milliman Report analysis initially estimated Idaho would have to spend for that expansion. Can you talk to me about the budget specifics for Medicaid expansion?
1: Sure. Uh, So, Governor Little continues to uh, implement Medicaid expansion as part of his budget recommendation. Uh, Two years ago, when the proposal was before the voters, uh, there was a Uh, report from uh, Milliman, which is a nationally uh, known actuarial firm, and uh, they projected the cost to be at one level. They updated the report last fall. It uh, turns out that in the first two years of uh, full implementation of Medicaid expansion, they were off by $660 million. Uh, Because Medicaid expansion is a 90-10 cost share uh, with the federal government that translates into a fiscal impact to the state of uh, $66 million. Uh, that means we're budgeting it at, at a level where early excitement that Medicaid uh, expansion would pay for itself, so to speak, uh, with reductions in other state programs uh, is just no longer uh, feasible. Uh, so what the governor has uh, done as part of his budget recommendation is uh, he's uh, earmarked a portion uh that would be a cost share with the counties to reflect the savings uh, that counties have seen in their medical uh, programs as a result of the state covering a greater share of the population on uh, medicaid and uh, the governor had also built in uh, some cost containment uh, portions of his budget uh, to reflect some of the variables that are a little bit more under the control uh, of of the department of note the reason that uh, the projection Uh, was off was driven primarily by cost, uh, the cost per member per month, not necessarily as much by uh, enrollment. Uh, So the governor had put into his budget some reasonable steps uh, to start addressing the cost uh, side of the equation. uh, But he tempered the recommendation by saying it is more likely than not that the federal government will continue uh, sharing a greater portion of state's Medicaid costs as a result of the the, uh, pandemic. And uh, sure enough, uh, last Friday, the federal government has extended that uh, through the end of June, uh, which will free up an equivalent amount of uh, savings in the Medicaid budget and might uh, allow the state to to push off the the conversation on cost containment to another year. Uh, That would mean we would be looking at a 2023 issue as opposed to a twenty two issue, but it doesn't obviate the issue of long-term
0: when we're discussing how Medicaid expansion has exceeded the initial estimates for cost and looking at ways to, uh, to take care of that, um, are we talking about just money or are we looking at policy proposals that would affect what kind of care people who are on Medicaid would receive?
1: So um, ours is, is a budget proposal. Uh, to the extent that there would be a cost share with the counties or uh, cost containment, there'd be legislation that would accompany that. Uh, but uh, a cost share with the county, to the best of my knowledge, wouldn't impact the, the care that uh, Idahoans uh, RECEIVED through Medicaid.
0: You know, we can't talk about health care without, of course, talking about coronavirus. Um, Kevin, I know that you have been following this closely. When the governor was addressing COVID-19, what stood out to you?
2: I was really kind of struck by the optimistic tone that the governor has taken at a time when uh, the death toll continues to rise and and at a time when um, we're we're seeing not not just that that death toll rising statewide but across the nation. I'm going to be very interested to see if uh, if legislators share that sense of optimism as we head into this session, because we're, we're so early on in the vaccine rollout. Uh, the numbers that have been posted uh, today, I think we're in the neighborhood of uh, somewhere around 30,000 Idahoans have received the vaccine, and a fraction of those uh, folks have received the two doses of the vaccine that you need to be, uh, to be fully vaccinated. Uh, this vaccination rollout has been pretty slow in Idaho as it's been in many states and as the governor has talked about a rollout to get to uh, to general public uh to, to where the general public can get access to the the vaccines by about May we're a long way from there so I, I was by his tone I'll, I'll be interested to see if uh, if that's a, a shared sentiment
0: Yeah, you know, I I'm curious because the elephant in the room to me going into this session is the the legislature and Governor Little's executive power after emergency declarations and um, rolling Idaho back to stage, uh, modified stage two in response to hospital capacity and healthcare care uh, capacity. Um, you know, Governor Little addressed this uh, at least partly, saying that the state does have a role in emergencies, that that this is something that even in a conservative approach, that the state um, does have a role. Alex, can you address what might happen if those emergency powers were to go away, if the state of emergency were to end today? How would it affect Idaho's COVID nineteen response?
1: Sure. First, Alyssa, let me let me just say, you know, I, I think it's always healthy to have conversations as part of an after action report and see what what can. Uh, be done better uh, moving forward. I think uh, Governor Little is going to stay laser focused this session on the Building Idaho's Future Plan, delivering record tax relief for Idaho citizens and making uh, strategic investments in our roads, bridges, water, and broadband uh, infrastructure. In terms of what might happen if, if, uh, if the emergency is ended, uh, well, you know, I, I think one of the things is the state uh, is able to leverage a cost share. Federally, uh, with FEMA on certain expenses. So, for example, uh, the state has deployed the National Guard, and they've been a godsend in many healthcare facilities. Uh, Guardsmen uh, through the end of December had done 16,000 point of care tasks for COVID. They had done 23,000 outreaches for contact tracing, while helping uh, distributing at the the food bank and helping uh, clean uh, some of our most uh, vulnerable uh, patients' rooms at the long term care facilities. Uh, we get a 75% uh, cost share uh, on uh, National Guard uh, duty. Uh, there's been a fair number of local governments uh, from school districts to cities to counties uh, that are cost uh, sharing off of uh, FEMA. So uh, we'd have to look at intricate details of anything that's put forward, uh, but it is possible that uh, those that are uh, taking on a 75% cost share for some of those uh, duties, whether it be National Guard uh, PPE that we're supplying the hospitals to the military division uh, or some of the local governments, uh, whether or not it would mean they have to carry the full freight of uh, of those budget uh, requests moving forward. And,
2: and Melissa, I was struck by the governor's comments about that contentious special session back in August. He, he went out of his way to thank the legislature and commend the legislature for the moves that they made in terms of election security, in terms of civil liability. He didn't bring up that maybe the most uh, defining thing out of that August session, moving into the 2021 session, is you had legislators who went on the record very strongly saying they want to look at uh, the governor's powers and the legislature's powers during an emergency. That power struggle hasn't gone away. It hasn't been resolved. And I think that's going to be a very defining issue as this legislature uh, convenes.
0: As we talk about defining issues, uh, COVID-19 has really defined Governor Little's second year in office, and all Idaho governors have had issues out of their control that have really affected their policy goals. Um, I'm curious, Alex, let's imagine a parallel universe where we were not dealing with this pandemic. How different would this year's state of the state and budget proposal have been? I imagine we'd still see a transportation investment, but but how much has coronavirus sidetracked what Governor Little was hoping to do?
1: MELISSA, I'm not sure that's how I would uh, characterize it. I once heard uh, somebody say to Governor Little during this, I bet this isn't what you thought you were signing up for. And the governor said, "Yes, it is. I mean, I, I signed up uh, to, to handle whatever circumstances uh, get thrown at me." And as the governor said in his speech today, "In moments of hardship, oftentimes emerges opportunity." And uh, we've we've structured a budget around what those opportunities might be. Uh, we are, as a state, are leading the nation in economic rebound. We're leading the uh, leading the nation in economic rebound. We're leading the nation in uh, financial solvency, and that gives us a chance to you know, stand out from the pack and do things that other states I can't even fathom talking about. Right now, a lot of other states are having their uh, legislatures convened today, and when their budget committees get together, they're going to be talking about where they make their cuts. They're going to be getting out their scissors and cutting around the edges and uh, seeing if they can make their uh, constitutional requirements to balance the budget work. Idaho's in a much different position because of the leadership of Governor Little, because of his actions early on. Uh, we're in a position where we, we get to say, where do we make these targeted investments? And uh, broadband is, is kind of the classic example of that. The governor, I've heard him say, you know, we've advanced a broadband 10 years uh, through this uh, pandemic in terms of adoption, uh, usability, it's grown 4,000%. Uh, it, the backbone to that is, uh, is is uh, is is getting our rural communities wired and getting them uh, uh, access. And his $35 million investment as part of this budget uh, is certainly something that uh, I'm I'm excited about and look forward to working with the legislature on.
0: Kevin, I'd love to get your thoughts. Is this uh, an opportunity for Idaho or do you think that Governor Little's parallel universe state of the state might've been pretty different?
2: You know that's a really interesting question. I mean, I was struck, I've been struck really for the past year. We, we talked to Governor Little at length after his State of the State in two thousand and twenty. Uh, I spent a great deal of time talking to him about his picture of the economy. On the one hand, he was talking about a state that was going through growth rates that were unparalleled across the nation, but at the same time, he was talking about the prospect of an economic downturn. And I and I. I thought that that discussion of the prospect of an economic downturn seemed out of place with what we were seeing in terms of the growth. So I kind of you know, kept kind of pressing him on that one when, when I had a chance to interview him on, on Idaho Reports back in January of 2020. He brought that up today. He said, you know, we prepared for the worst during good times and we were vindicated because we were we put ourselves in a better position as a state by acting conservatively. So. I don't know about a parallel universe, but I've been really struck by what he said a year ago and what has transpired in the 12 months since.
0: You know, we have less than a minute left, but Kevin, um, anything else on your radar that you're going to be watching for in the first couple of weeks of the session?
2: You know, a lot of things to look for in terms of the immediate reactions. You know, what does a tax bill look like? And you've got a bunch of legislators who are going to have a bunch of different ideas. And when a lot of this... Tax relief is coming through internet sales. I think you have small businesses saying, "Hey, wait a minute, that's our competition. You know, help us compete with with, uh, with the online merchants." Transportation is going to be a big issue, and the governor wants to put more general fund dollars into transportation. That's been a sensitive issue in the past because that uh, means that schools are competing with transportation projects for general fund dollars. So th- there's a lot of grist going into this session.
0: Absolutely. We'll have to leave it there. Kevin Richard, Alex Adams, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for watching. Make sure to tune in on Friday for our rundown of the first week of the legislature.